Hello and welcome to the Talking Roadmaps channel. My name's Justin Woods and I'm one of the co-hosts here. Really excited for you to join us today. This is the channel where we talk about everything to do with roadmaps from the good, the bad, the ugly, some expert practitioners, some tools and tips as well. So if you're interested in roadmaps, this is the place to be. If there's anything that we say on today's chat um, that's, that resonates with you, please do send us a like, maybe subscribe to the channel if you think there's lasting value there and drop a comment down below. We love to hear things that have resonated with you guys or whether you think there's something that I and my amazing guest Randy Silver are saying that's a bit controversial and you don't agree with. Um, if you want to get in touch to take part, please do use our email address on the Talking Roadmaps website or again, just drop a comment down. We'll get in contact with you and we'd love to have you in the hot seat where Randy is today. So without further ado, Randy Silver, welcome to the channel. Thanks for joining us. I've been looking forward to it. Thank you so much. <laughs> Absolutely. So, Randy, um, for some of uh, our listeners, you won't need an introduction. You've got a rich tapestry of experience in the product world, an expert speaker, a host of a podcast or co-host of a podcast as well, um, and, of course, a director of your own product management and, and training and consulting company. But in case I've done you an injustice, maybe you could just take a moment just to introduce yourself. Yeah, that's, that's pretty much it. If my voice sounds familiar, it's because I co-host the Product Experience Podcast with Lily Smith, the podcast from Wine the Product. Uh, I've done talks at lots of conferences. I wrote a book. I've been at head, head of product roles at a few places. But for the last few years, I've been mostly consulting and coaching. Fantastic. And a really enjoyable thing for us to do as well. I find quite a few people in product management kind of feel like we're cut from the same cloth, a little bit of extroversion in there and being able to kind of communicate with people. So, Randy, I know we're going to have a great session today. Maybe without further ado, maybe we kind of go in and talk a little bit about that then and, and kind of get straight into the meat of today, which is from your perspective, what do you think the purpose of a roadmap is or, or what has your experience of a roadmap been? Oh, those are two very, very different things. Uh, I think there's a real problem with roadmaps, actually, in that the theory of them is fantastic, but the actual use is, it's pretty awful most of the time. You know, we talk about them like they're this thing that's going to solve problems, and really they create more problems than they solve half the time. Uh, we treat them as a dogma, you know, as we, they're almost a religious or holy text, this, this thing that the product manager goes away and comes back with and presents. And nobody pays any attention to it or everyone interprets it differently. It's, it's just like religious texts for them, for that matter. Um, so, yeah, the, the theory of it is fantastic. And, I, and I'm a big fan of tools that do a job. But most tools and roadmaps are just another tool. Don't do the job that they're actually designed for. You're absolutely right. You know, the the interpretation of those is a massive factor. Um, we've talked about some controversial things recently on the channel, like MVP. You know, MVP is something that is is well-meaning, um, but often bandied around and misunderstood. And sales will have a different view of it to, to product. And I, I tell you, what, I've been there before. I've created some of my first roadmaps, and it has caused me more pain than they've been worth. And they've given me enough, you know, more rope to hang myself as well, right? Can I tell you my favorite MVP story? It's a really short one. It was a, I forget who it was, but it was a, a consultant who convinced a client to uh, create a minimum shoddy product. And they went through the entire thing. And at the end, the client came back and said, I don't understand. What is the difference between this and an MVP? And they said, well, if we called it an MVP, you wouldn't have let us do this janky half done thing to prove the point. You would have done a version one. But because we called it shoddy, 
you actually let us do what an MVP is supposed to be. <laughs> Perfect. And probably sales and marketing weren't all over it as if it was that new next shiny. So it sounds like, you know, roadmaps have, have, have been a challenge. It's a plan that often will, will trip us up as well. So kind of have you had some, seen some bad experiences of roadmaps and experienced some yourself? In general, actually, the experiences haven't been too bad. I mean, I try to treat them well. I try and do what I can with them when I've created them. I try and get other people to create them. And I still... For all the bad mouthing I'm doing, I still, when I'm managing product managers or I'm coaching someone and I want to see what they're planning and, and have a structured conversation, I still want to see their roadmap because it's a communication vehicle. It helps me understand what they're thinking, what they're planning, what their priorities. The difference is I don't treat it as an actual project plan. It's a statement of intent. And maybe we shouldn't call them roadmaps. Maybe, we, maybe that's what we should call them is this is a statement of intent. This is what we're thinking right now. Um there is an actual definitive need for your partners in the company to know what you're doing, but that's not your roadmap. Your roadmap is a little woolier and higher level. And I like to have a second document. I'm really bad at creating that second document. I should never own it. This is why delivery managers exist. And I love delivery managers. You should also have a release plan or a project plan that is much shorter term and says, this is what's coming. This is what we have a high degree of confidence in. Uh, this is stuff that we all need to commit actual dedicated resources and block out specific time for rather than theoretical budgeting and potential stuff that we're doing in the roadmap. You mentioned something there that really resonated with me, which again is some really great language, a statement of intent. It says, this is where we think we want to go. It's our intent to go there. We're not guaranteeing that we're going there. I really like that. And and also wanted to share with you something that we, we spoke uh, on a former episode with, with a, a gentleman called Simon Whitkiss, which he said is that the roadmap forms part of corporate record. And I actually like that, which is, yes, our roadmaps will be forward looking, but by capturing what we've also delivered can help as a corporate record. If we have new leadership come in that suddenly decide that we want to do this next big thing. Well, if we'd already tried that a year ago, we can say, well, look, we did try this a year ago, and these are the things we found, rather than not being able to demonstrate that we've tried this before and all trying to do the next big thing that we know is going to rinse and repeat what we've done already. So the, the corporate record, I think, was was really nice because historics are great. But um, yeah, you know, we it's not a release plan. It's definitely not a project plan. And that's sometimes people's go-to when they think of a, a roadmap there. Yeah, actually, absolutely. It can't be a Gantt chart. That is something else. We do love a delivery or a project manager as well. So talk to me about, um, if we think about the roadmap then in the loosest form, which is that statement of intent of where we're going forward. I think you mentioned already product management have a part of that. But who do you think are the audience? That's the other controversial side, because if you try and treat everybody the same, you're, you're failing. Everyone has a different need for what, they, what they're trying to do. Uh, sales has one way that they're looking at things. Marketing has another. Uh, ops has a different way of looking at the world. And you need to communicate to each of them in their own language based on their own priorities. So ideally, you have a corporate strategy or a divisional strategy or a business line strategy. And you're talking in response to that. These are the problems that we intend to solve. And then for the things that you're closest to, you probably have a way that you intend to solve it. Uh, and you can give a rough timeline. This is the type of stuff we think we're that we're concentrating on this quarter, this half year. Uh, potentially, you can go a little bit further out and say, these are the things we currently intend to solve later. 
the problem is other people take that as a commitment. There's a... Um, I'm going to totally butcher his name, but there's a brilliant guy named Javier Grillo Marwa, and I, uh, if I'm pronouncing it correctly, he is not a product manager. He actually is a producer and uh, TV screenwriter and a showrunner. He was on Lost. He did a show called The Middleman. He did the the, uh, the recent Dark Crystal thing. Um, he's fantastic if you're into the the type of genre stuff that that I love and that he does. He wrote uh, an essay. It's free. You can find it just by Googling it. It's called The 11 Laws of Showrunning. And it is one of my Bibles for product management because it talks about all the things you need to do to be good at your job of leading a TV show. And it starts with the whole idea of you breaking, you set the intent for a a series or in the the U.S. a season. uh, And you set the arcs for that, which is kind of your roadmap and then you set different character arcs and storylines and you break down the episodes into what you're going to do in each of them and you do all these different things and he has lots of great stuff about uh explain your plan early and often you know be really clear about it expect varying levels of competency from people at different levels of seniority and experience um but one of my favorite things is if you give a writer of an episode a plan and they come back and write a script that totally changes the plan. They have done a real disservice to everyone else on the production because costumes and set uh, set building and scenery and uh, scouting and everyone else has gone out and taken the loose spine, you know, essentially the roadmap as a work order and started making plans around it. And if you come back with a script that totally changes the locations, the, the costumes and everything else, you have wasted a lot of time for people. So it's coming back and it's doing that. It's what is the level of faithfulness? Be conscious of what kind of things people are hearing when you when you give them the roadmap. So if you tell sales something that you know we are planning to do this later this year, they are going to tell their customers that. So you have to be really careful with what you say to whom and how you say it and how you qualify it and what they hear and how they're going to use it. That's a that's a mic drop moment right there. I absolutely love that because product management is a level of storytelling. You know, so what a great analogy. And so in your mind, who owns a roadmap and who maintains a roadmap? Well, it is the product manager's job. And I, I saw uh, a little bit of an episode you did with uh, Jana Basto and talking about there isn't always someone who specifically has that title. It is product manager is a job title. It is also a role. Uh, so sometimes it's a business director who's doing this. Uh, and sometimes there is someone called a product manager that isn't actually doing the product manager's job. But it, the person who owns the roadmap is the de facto product manager for this. Uh, and they are the person who is looking at the strategy and determining how resources and energy are going to be spent on on what you're doing. And that is the most important thing. Uh, and they're the one who is you know, the, essentially the keeper of the flame. If, if you know, They should be able to articulate it out to everyone else so everyone else has a pretty good idea. But if there's ever a question on how to interpret it, it goes back to them. You mentioned it's a job title or a role. Um, that's quite right. You know, there's someone going to be holding that flag or that baton within the company, whether it's formally by name or, or, or role or something otherwise. And if you have the title of product manager and you think you're the product manager, but someone else is doing that, then just be realistic about it. Understand that that is actually their job. 
Uh, and if you want the job, then you need to speak to them about it or you need to get the promotion. Great comments there as well, especially maybe for early stage companies where those boundaries are, are not quite so well defined. Yeah, I don't think it's only the early stage companies. You've worked in enterprise. I mean, to come, and I'm sure you knew that the, the business director or the business owner, the, the person who was responsible for P&L would overrule you and, and have their own concept on it. And in that case, you know, no matter what your title is, fundamentally, they're actually doing at least that part of the job. 100%. And actually, I experienced that for my time in, in one of the large companies I worked for, where there was a directorate for strategy and planning. And then there was another directorate where digital lived and the product managers lived. So who owned the strategy and planning for digital? Because then you had two different departments. And so, you know, you could end up coming against some some conflicts or some loggerheads there because... You know, you're trying to define the strategy as a product manager, but there's also a dedicated strategy and planning function that does that as well. So that's that's quite true. You know, and we, we find this a lot when we work with different clients that you have the organizational structure and then you have the power structure and they can be very different within these companies. I want to talk about something you mentioned at the beginning, which, again, really resonated with me, which is kind of the vision, the strategy and the objectives. You know, the roadmap is not just a single document or a single page. There's a lot of other things that are critical here. What do you think the relationship is of a, a roadmap to say the vision, the strategy and the objectives? How do you see those two playing, uh, uh, kind of reinforcing each other? I like Teresa Torres's framing of all this uh, and her opportunity solutions tree. It's a really good way of looking at it. The vision is something that shouldn't change or shouldn't change very often. It should be, you know, ideally five to 10 to 20 years in, in duration, depending on the maturity of your business uh, or potentially even longer. Um, so the, the roadmap is there in service of a vision, but it is probably much shorter term. Uh, it's uh, this current business cycle that you're looking at. Maybe you have some theme for later, but those are very low fidelity and just an intent that, oh, yeah, we're not do. It's more of we're not doing this now rather than when we intend to do it. We know it's important and we know it's something that we want to build on uh, if everything aligns. But it's yeah, that's that's the. If you have now, next, later for your roadmap, this is way later sometimes. Um, so that's vision. Uh, then uh, objectives and things like that, you know, sometimes you have, depend, again, depends on your business, depends on the cycle, depends on your industry. Some things move incredibly quickly. Uh, you know, I've worked in, in retail before where it's intraday or weekly cycles for some of it, but then you also have uh, worked for a big grocery chain. And so, you know, Sales and promotions and things like that could be incredibly quick, uh, but infrastructure was still a long, a long cycle. So you had both planning cycles at the same time. So objectives can be really short or they can be pretty long. The roadmap is the thing that help, helps describe how you are going to hit those objectives. Um, so I promise I would contradict myself a, a, quite a lot. Um, there is the idea of what is the problems we're going to solve. And the roadmap will should detail that, but for the things that are in the the uh, three month or so time frame, it's not enough to just say this is the problem we're going to solve. It's also this is how we currently intend to solve it. Um, now, whether you're detailing that in an active roadmap and updating that all the time, or whether that is a more informal document, whether that's something that's just your, you know, if you've got a Scrum board and you do epics, great. I'm. I really don't care how you do it. I don't, uh, I've seen teams work in any number of different ways. All of these different uh, uh, frameworks and tools that we use 
are just ways to ensure that we're communicating well. So if you as the product manager and your design team and your dev team are all able to communicate psychically and you all will just know what people are talking about, then you don't need any documentation whatsoever. If, you know, if it's three of you that are best friends and never have any miscommunication, great. Um, but as you start to get complexity in lots of people, having some form of documentation is useful. But just because you write it down doesn't make it useful either. How many times have people created a document that no one's ever looked back at? All the time. Yeah, absolutely. And even using tools, you know, and so, you know, whilst I might be seen as kind of the tool guy, uh, a lot of the time it's like, and, and Rich Miranoff mentioned this as well, you know, how many times have people realistically, even if you're spoon feeding them these views and giving them the links, um, you can't, you can't trust that they're going to be going off and finding the information. So it's, it reinforces what you said at the beginning, which is that the roadmaps are a communication and alignment tool. And it doesn't matter what they look like, as long as they do that job of communicating and aligning. And it comes back down to perspective. If you're the product manager for one area, that is your world. That is your life. You are into every detail of it, and you want to tell everyone about your roadmap and what your plan is for that. That may be one small piece of a much larger product or one product in a much larger business. And the people, your stakeholders, the people you're communicating to, they don't want to go and look at 20 different roadmaps. And to und and try and coalesce everything. And yes, that is someone else's job to try ideally pull it all together and talk about the strategy at a higher level. There's a couple of guys with a great podcast. I think it's called Agile. Oh, they wrote the book Agile Conversations. Anyway, um, they talked in one episode about the idea of briefing and back briefing. So what we do generally with roadmaps or from CEOs or anyone else is we're very good at disseminating strategy down or out. We're not very good at understanding how other people understood it and what they plan to do with that information or what to do about it. So the idea is that you brief the information out and then you ask people to come back to you with a short document, you know, one pager say, what did they understand from it and what do they intend to do from it? And you as a leader, if you get a bunch of things back and you see that there are contradictions or things aren't going to work as expected or people didn't understand it, that's your opportunity to fix things now rather than three to six months from now when it's a real problem. Uh, and I love the, that, that concept. Let's talk a little bit about the design of, of, of roadmaps. And, and so kind of what do you think are some of the key elements or content of a roadmap? I've seen different ones in different places. I've seen people do them in, in Excel or Sheets. I've seen them do in, uh, in PowerPoint and slides. I've seen people use uh, various tools over the years. Um, and I've seen them live on walls in offices back when we actually, you know, worked together in places. I don't, I'm sorry, I don't care. I mean, I like the idea of now, next, later uh, as, a, as a concept, and that is definitely the theme that I prefer. But it's whatever works for the people that you're communicating with. And if you come into a business and they have something established that works for them and that's how they, they plan and you come in with a totally different format, they're just going to ignore it. So I'm not very, uh, I'm pretty, let's put it this way, I'm pretty agnostic about about it. The point is, are we having the right conversation as a, as a result of it? 
Are people paying attention to it? Are people using it? Is it useful? If that's the case, then the design works. Again, fantastic advice. You know, it's it can often be a real leap of faith or a big, huge step change for organizations. So let's just use whatever format or whatever uh, nomenclature or, or, or graphing or whatever that the business are used to already. Use that tool to communicate. And if that's not working, you know, if they've been using it forever and it's not serving the right purpose, talk to them about that. Say, why are we still doing this? Can we try a different way? Get them on board with it. Understand what is the problem that they're solving with it and why do they like using that format? Uh, and then talk about the problems with the format and you know, point out the failures. And then you can get them on board with change. Just bringing them the document that that is the product management best practice, the one that we like, that doesn't mean that they're going to use it. Such a good answer, Randy. Thank you. Let's talk about best practices in road mapping that you've seen. So we've obviously, you know, seen some great examples. We've been burnt by bad examples ourselves. What are some of the the, the best practices you see in road mapping? I think that, that, that uh, again, I'm sorry, I'm, I'm not going to give a very very prescriptive advice on this. It's what's if your team and the teams you're working with and your stakeholders all have a pretty good idea of what you're doing what you're trying to do, why you're trying to do it, then it's working great. If not, then we need to apply our, our you know, our basic product management principles hat to to the roadmap as well and say, why is this not solving the problem? How do we iterate to, to solve that problem? And what can we do differently? And whether that's a document, whether that's meetings and conversations, whether it's sessions, whether it's co-creation, it, it again, it doesn't matter. Um, I like living roadmaps, you know, uh, things that aren't just published and then forgotten, an idea that you can go back and refer to it. I like the idea, you know, if you can use something like Miro uh, or Mural, people can come back and put post questions and comments on it. They can do it in, in some of the other platforms as well. That stuff is great. Um, but again, it's it's a vehicle for having good conversations and that's it. 100% succinct, but but so true. And, and it, like you said, it's agnostic of any tool. It's just what, what's what's really working. How about um, what you think some of the biggest mistakes may be that people make in road mapping? So things that they, they've just done that's, that's caused them challenges. I'll go back to the religious iconography of, uh, you know, Moses coming down the mountain with the tablets, you know, going off and consulting with, with the Lord and, and coming back and saying, this is it that we have spoken and doing it on your own. Not, it should be a collaborative effort to, to come together. It should, nothing in the roadmap should come as a surprise to people. There, there should be conversations all the way along the way and you bring people on the journey. The, the, the artifact is the end result of the process, not just something. Um, the other is assuming, you know, sending it out or posting a link somewhere and just assuming that people have seen it and actually understand what you, what you mean by it. Um, and then the last one is, uh, I think, you know, if you are not doing this as part of a concerted effort, if you're a part of a larger company and there's multiple other uh, product managers or teams and you're not doing this with any conversation and coordination with them, then you're just going to have lots of competitive, uh, lots of things in there that are competitive, that don't agree with each other, that are going to cause alignment problems further along the line. So, yeah, again, if conversations. Isn't it incredible? And I've been in a situation as well where, you know, wearing the product manager hat, you, you go into a room, you create this roadmap, you outline your plan, 
there's no in, you know no involvement from other people or not enough people and then suddenly you come out with this 12 month delivery plan and they're like great off you go then and and it's just like yeah no conversations it's done in isolation just just the wrong thing to do and sometimes it's not a bad thing to go into a room and do a first approximation and have a you know depending on who your partners are and the types of relationships you have with them you can go and do that and say this is my first pass at this Let's use this as the basis for a conversation. That can work great. It can also totally backfire because people assume that it's that there's rigorous thinking in there and that they don't have the opportunity to put in input. They can be dispirited by it. So it can work both ways. Maybe it's the minimum shoddy roadmap. And then uh, there we go from there, right? Yeah, let me get my crayons out. What you've described there is a great anti-pattern as well or a bad practice of, of what people do. Do you have a pet hate that you you just hate to see on the roadmap, any roadmap that you just want to get it off there? Dates, or specific delivery dates. I'm Again, they're incredibly important. They have a time and a place. It's just not on a roadmap. It's on a release plan. And you should have both documents and they should have, be linking to each other at all times. Um, you should, you as the product manager should own the roadmap. Your delivery manager should own the release plan and you should always be best friends with your delivery manager. Boom. If we could underline that quote that you just said there, we obviously we can't do it on audio, but completely agree with you on there. Randy, you're, you're a learned man. You've done a lot of these as, as your role. You've experienced them as well. Um, you, you've obviously got some fantastic advice there. But who, whose who's advice on road mapping do you listen to? As an expert yourself, what sources do you take from? Oh, there's so many people out there. We've got uh, the book by C. Title Lombardo and uh, Bruce McCarthy and a couple of their co-authors uh, is fantastic. Jana Bastow from, yep, Product Roadmaps Relaunched. Uh, we've got Jana Bastow, obviously, from ProdPad, and her cohorts uh, are really good at this. To be honest, I, I'm a member of a few communities, uh, Agile and Ether. I run one called Products in the Ether, uh, a couple other communities like that. It's fantastic. Whenever I have a question, just to go out to them and say, hey, how do you do this? Show me an example or talk me through it. And there's always someone who's willing, who's been in a similar spot, who's dealt with something Um not roadmaps specifically, but retros. I, I was always really bad at retros and recent, and I was complaining about it recently and someone uh, posted that she loved retros. We grabbed 20 minutes, she showed me her format. I ran a retro the following week and it was the best one I'd ever done. It's easy to listen to, to read the book, to listen to Jana, and I absolutely encourage you to do that. Uh, but I will also tell you, just talk to other people who are practicing and ask them how they do it because the people who you, myself, Justin, anyone else that you're listening to on, on talks and podcasts, we all have some good advice. We've all lived through it, but we're talking about our experiences and what's worked for us. Talk to someone who's closer to you who's in your specific situation and you might even get better advice. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's, that's phenomenal guidance there, Randy. And, you know, it turns something that we typically uh, wouldn't want to do into something that you, you enjoy because it's a better way of doing it, a different perspective. And I think, again, it comes back into what you said about applying product management skills and expertise to ourselves or, or to what we do. Just go and ask people, who, who's it doing well for? I, I used to find that when I was creating proposals, I didn't used to enjoy them. Now I absolutely love them. And it's just a different perspective and, and just getting that guidance from someone else. I think that's great. Thank you for sharing. So are there any kind of road mapping resources that you will recommend or, or actually maybe just uh, product management resources in general? You mentioned some groups there. Where where could people go uh, that you, kind of some resources that you would recommend them to, to go and see? My 
my first port of call for anything is usually just going to the Mind the Product site. Uh, now, granted, I do their podcast. I've been affiliated with them for a long time. But it's a great starting point, uh, if nothing else. Um, beyond that, I find uh, I've got a good social network. So LinkedIn and Twitter uh, asking a good question. I'll often get good answers, but I've worked hard to make sure I've got a, a good community there that I can talk to. And then I've got a few Slack groups uh, and, and meetups that I do this with, uh, I mentioned earlier. So uh, Product and Ether, the one I run is at pitta.social. And you're more than welcome to attend that. It's a free monthly virtual lean coffee for product people. Um, and yeah, th th I think it's, and I've got, you know, that's the other thing I'd recommend. It's something that I've heard uh, from uh, from a few different people. Gibson Biddle recommends it and a few others uh, is the idea of having a personal board of directors or a small group of people that are peers of yours that you can chat with on a regular basis. Even if you're in a company, sometimes you want to talk to your peers and sometimes uh, it, you need a safe space aside, aside from them. So finding a few people that you're comfortable with is great. The, the other one is, uh, and this will sound self-serving because I work as a coach, uh, but I also get coached. And I highly recommend coaching, whether it is formal and you pay for it or your company pays for it, or it's informal. You can do peer coaching with a friend. Uh, with a, with a, with somebody else and just trade advice and and have a safe space to explore things. Uh, so I think coaching is you know for anyone who wants to get better at their craft, it's a really good thing. Coach and be coached. Um, to coach people reinforces learning. To be coached gives you that support and that ability to to learn new techniques. I think that's great, Randy. Um, I'm just wondering, kind of as as we look to close out, whether we could kind of think about distilling your philosophy of road mapping into one to two sentences. And we've had a really varied discussion at the moment, which I've loved. So, um, you know, don't hold back here. But how how would you distill your philosophy of road mapping into just a few sentences? I think it's a little more general than just road mapping, but uh. All all tools are awful, uh, but some are useful. And road mapping can be both awful and useful. It is a necessary thing to make sure that you're telling a story, but the format can be whatever it is. It, if it's not doing the job, then it's just an artifact. Reminds me of something that somebody told me way back when in my career, which was a fool with a tool is still a fool. And I just, I just loved it. It was like, so true. You know, a tool is just there to expedite process and we should be doing that process already. So that's, Brilliant. So, Randy, I, I've absolutely loved chatting with you. Thank you so much for kind of taking us through your experiences. Um, there's been some real gold in there as well. So I'm really excited to share that with the audience. I also wanted to do a courtesy of giving you a chance just to kind of tell us a little bit more about what you do, maybe pitch to our audience, how you can help them. Um, I know that you you run your own company out of owls and obviously you're within a, a bunch of different social networks as well. So tell us a little bit more about you and how you help people. As you said, I'm uh, you can find out more at my site, which is outofowls.com. Uh, my son named it. Uh, we were just teaching him about brainstorming. I did a talk a few years ago about uh, gods, superheroes, and product managers. And I said, Athena is the patron goddess of, of product managers for various reasons. Her, uh, her spirit animal, her uh, symbol is an owl. And we were trying to come up with an idea of, uh, of a company name based on that. And we were brainstorming as we walked to school. And the 15 minutes in, he looked at me and said, Daddy, I'm sorry, I'm all out of owls. But yeah, I, I work a lot with communities, with mentoring and teaching. Um, and I also do consulting, uh, sometimes interim roles. 
and uh, various different kinds of consulting. And if I can't solve your problem for you, I often partner up with people or I can refer on to others. I've got a great network thanks to the podcast. Uh, the one other thing that might be of interest is a couple of years ago, I wrote a book called What Do We Do Now? Uh, it was written at the beginning of lockdown. And the idea was that everyone was a little confused because, well, their roadmaps were suddenly very wrong and they didn't know what to do. And the main theme of the book has nothing to do with COVID or lockdown. It has to do with any time you're uh, in a point of pivot or crisis, what do we do? Well, we have all the tools. Go back to basics, do your discovery, ask the right questions to have the right conversations. It's a short book and all profits uh, from it go to go to charity. So, uh, you know, if you're interested, please do check it out. Well, we'll be sure to put those links down below. That's certainly going to be one that's on my reading pile, along with uh, some of the other books that I've had here and, and uh, I'm touching now have, have piled up. But Randy, thank you so much. We've absolutely loved chatting with you today. Um, just before I close out, so um, again, Randy, massive thanks. Um, personally, I'm really pleased to be part of your network. I'm really pleased to be part of uh, product managers in the ether as well and, and to attend those groups. Again, it's kind of that community thing that is so important. Um, a reminder to our audience, I hope you've enjoyed today's session. If there's any thoughts or things or quotes, uh, mic drop moments that have, uh, that have completely resonated with you, feel free to drop those down below. You know, we're not all pro roadmaps here. We love to hear the, the, the good, the bad and the ugly of uh, for, for them. Um, and if, if it has resonated, please give us a like. If you think that somebody needs to hear something that Randy or I have said, share this video with them and, and do a comment down below as well. If you'd like to take part, if you'd like to be in the pleasurable position where Randy is today, drop us a line, drop us something in the comments, and we'd love to have you on the channel. But for the moment, Randy, I've absolutely loved ch chatting with you today, uh, and I look forward to being part of your network in the future. And you, Justin, thank you so much.